Welcome to Blind Love Radio. I'm your host, Anna Rosen. Enjoy these heartfelt conversations having to do with creativity, transformation, and the divine. Hola! Thank you so much for coming back and listening to another episode of Blind Love Radio. I am really excited slash nervous to release this episode. Um, The moon just went into Pisces and I couldn't not release this episode today. Um, It just feels so Piscean and it's definitely a hand over the heart episode for both me and my guest Rosie. We get into a lot of really deep, vulnerable, um, I think just honesty. I feel like we're just bearing our souls and we talk a lot about sobriety and both of us are going through this. I talk about how I am not smoking weed anymore and I'll talk more about like why I'm doing that in this episode. But, you know, it's been something that I have been doing all the time for a decade. And now, it's not that I have anything, like, I love weed. I, um, it's a bit of a grief to give it up also. It feels like I'm losing a very deep identity with myself, a deep friend that I had that, Um, kind of walked me through a lot of trauma and emotional pain that I had throughout my life. And I think now I'm just called to start a new chapter and to let it go. And as beautiful as that is, you know, when they talk about the caterpillar going to the butterfly, it's like I am in that deep, gooey, ugly cocoon Um, That's definitely how it feels. It feels very messy and, um, but regardless, I'd say I feel like I have more of a sense of purpose now and a clearer direction of where I'm going, I guess, especially on my spiritual path. I feel like my spiritual path is taking over all paths. But I'm okay with that. I'm accepting it. And this is a deep conversation, I think, about acceptance and to really embrace the moment of now and what's going on, what you're feeling. Um, I think Pisces can either go like high vibe connecting to spirituality or low vibe or trying to escape whatever we're feeling. And change it in some way which isn't to say like I don't even know if I want to say like high vibe or low vibe because that's not bad like if you're doing that for you know if you're if that's your coping mechanism then you know that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that um but I think I'm just ready to I guess just switch gears here you know I'm realizing now there is no better. There is just where you're at. Um, 
and I really thank Rosie for being so open and honest. She shares a lot about her journey with alcoholism and now with being sober. She's been sober for a couple of months. I'd say maybe like eight or nine months, I believe. Um, so she's definitely got some time under her belt and it was really fun talking with her and it was definitely really inspiring um, to hear how she is navigating this journey with her sobriety and just her life in general. Um, I just, ah, this is just so tender. This is, is just so tender for me to even talk about. Um, I haven't really like told really I've been kind of like quiet about stopping weed and um, I stopped drinking a long time ago so this is like really me being like sober sober for the first time ever and what feels like forever I mean as a child I was not intoxicated but um you know, it definitely feels like a rebirth. And I think we talk a lot about the death card, this idea of transitioning. That's kind of what it like feels like to me. It feels very like Scorpio and like watery and transformation. Um, but definitely like that Pisces of like trusting that you're going in the right direction, even though you don't necessarily know the destination. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling here, but I feel like I feel like anxious about the fact that I give like so many um opinions and uh yeah, I guess opinions like I just don't want to like offend anybody else. Like I talk about the 7 of swords or not the 7 of swords, the 7 of wands being about like, no perspective is right. And if you have another take on that card, like, ignore me. Like, what do I know? I talk about some things about yoga that I haven't talked about on here before. Like, I was really into yoga. And now that's changed. And accepting that, that's been, like, another type of death that's gone on in my life. Um, so, and if that's not right for you, like, you don't, you're not down with that, like, whatever. Like, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. I know that's, like, the cheesiest cliche ever, but this is just, <laughs> this is, uh, I just feel so messy with this. Um, but I feel like it's very open, it's very honest. We both really talk about, um, just what's going on, what sobriety's like, what we're um, what we're dealing with, how we deal with trauma and grief and deep emotions that have happened while being sober, um, or past things that we're dealing with um, now with being sober. Like, how are we dealing with it now? And um, I don't know. I'm. I feel like I've said so much, but I haven't said anything at all. Kind of feels like where I'm at right now. Um, but this conversation is so close to my heart. I'm hoping it'll find whoever really needs it. Whoever is going through a really deep shedding at this full moon. 
I really feel like I'm shedding all of these things, these things that are no longer serving me. And it's hard to do that. I'm sending a lot of deep compassion to whoever is on this journey with me, with me and Rosie. Um, so Rosie is amazing. She is living in the UK and journeying through sobriety. She talks about an end-of-life dueling training that she went through. She is, I think, a very gifted herbalist the way she talks about it. She sounds like she has a very um, natural instinct with plants. And just the way that she's so honest and open about her trauma and emotions and ah what a beautiful soul so you can find her on instagram if you want to connect with her um my secret sober diary which we joke that it's not so secret right (laughs) but um definitely check her out connect with her send her some love send her all the good vibes And without further ado, I'm going to get into it. I'm wishing you guys a very peaceful Pisces full moon and deep love to all of you guys. Go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. I'm Rosie. I'm 33 and live in Anglesey, which is the island at the top of Wales. In Welsh, it's called Mourn Mancamru, which is um, Anglesey, the mother of Wales. Uh, it's pretty beautiful. I live here with my partner, Chris, and our beloved dog, Dennis. If you take one little look at my Instagram, you'll see immediately that I'm completely obsessed with him. <laughs> Um, but I haven't always lived in Anglesey. I was born in a little town called Mazuzu in Malawi. And I've lived between Malawi and North Wales till I was about 14. And then we settled back here properly. Like, we always had the same house when we lived in Wales. So it kind of felt like we always had roots here the whole time, even if we weren't actually here. Um, but then I've sort of had roots in Africa and Malawi as well. So it's uh, it can be a bit bit of a tender place, sort of living between two places, feeling like you're from two places and getting homesick. You're always homesick because <laughs> you never, you can never be in both at the same time. Uh, so it's been interesting navigating that um, as time has gone on as well. Uh, but we moved back here when I was 14 and yeah, I'd say I had a pretty, pretty normal childhood and teenagerhood, except for all the moving. Um, I had some sort of minor kind of issues bubbling I would say like most of us uh, but I think they probably would have stayed at uh, just a bubble um, if things had turned out differently Um, but I went to Sheffield Uni when I was 19 and on the last day of Freshers Week actually my dad died really suddenly so that just changed the whole course of everything really and it's been uh, quite a long 14 years of trying different things having little bursts of healing um, and then kind of going back to my coping mechanisms and it just being quite all over the place until last December when I decided I would stop 
drinking alcohol completely um, forever because that's been a constant through the whole thing really um, and I started an account called My Secret Sober Diary although it's not a secret so I think I might have to change the name <laughs> it was at first but it isn't anymore um, and that's how we connected through that account um, yeah so I'm not really I say I'm not really doing anything at the moment but what I am doing is um, I'm working part-time and between that I'm just really trying to root and ground and do as much healing as possible in as many ways as possible because it's been a long time coming so so that's what I am I suppose I am a, a healing human like lots of us I yeah. love that I am also a healing human as <laughs> is I'm sure everybody listening to this um, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. That is so hard. Yeah, yeah, it was really hard. It still is, actually. Um, it's funny, I keep thinking, and I think it's probably informed by Western culture as well, that I'm going to come to some kind of resolution with it, with the grief, and that it's might be sort of a little bit more neatly tied up at some point. But that's just not happening. <laughs> um, no matter what happens, it's still it's still hard, and it will carry on being hard forever. And that's actually okay because I think um, you know we don't like to be undone by things generally in Western culture. You know, things have usually got to look a, a certain way. Grief has a time limit. Um, things have got to be very together. Uh, even things like, I was sort of panicking before this, like, what do I say I am? <laughs> Who am I? Um, it's all, yeah, it's all symptoms of, you know, things like capitalism and white supremacy and all of that. So it's been a really, really juicy learning curve, um, you know, seeing how all these bits fit together and, you know, my part in that. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is still difficult. And then I think that actually, you know, it's quite, quite rightly so that it is. Um, but then again, there were things that maybe could have been different that would have helped, but we live in a very death-phobic culture, so that's what's made it all so difficult. Yeah. We do, and it's like, it, it, it makes other people uncomfortable when we, like, own our grief and are, like, really able to, like, sink into it. Yes. And explore it. And I think other people get intimidated because it reminds them of whatever grief they're holding on to. Yes, yeah. And they don't want to explore it. And I feel like the society is so centered around avoiding feelings and avoiding emotions. And if you, like, go into those emotions, then... um. I don't know, I guess it's just not good or not accepted. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think even sort of people in my very close circle, um, I was thinking about a couple of family members who have sort of heard about this account <laughs> or, you know, heard through people, oh, she's doing this, she's said this. <laughs> and um, I think one person was actually quite worried. They thought that I was maybe just getting, getting obsessed with my pain and living in the past. Um, but I was like, have you actually read anything I've ever written? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I think a lot of it is actually quite positive. Um, and yeah, you're right though. It's this, it's this fear that, that, people, that people feel. And it's of their own grief. And I think of their own death as well. Um, because that's, that's another thing that we don't really 
face in our, our culture. We're not prepared for it. We, not, we don't really experience lineage in the same way that we used to. So anything that hints at mortality um, is, just makes people panic. <laughs> yes, totally. So how... I guess this idea of like dealing with your emotions for a certain way for so long and coping with them through, I guess, things that were destructive. Like, what's it like now, like coming to grips with a loss of that identity? Oh, that's such an interesting question. Um, that sort of ebbs and flows how I feel about it. Sometimes I feel really happy and like I can celebrate it and then it's a really good thing. And then other times I do really miss firstly the coping mechanisms and also the lifestyle that went with them. So for example, I used to have an eating disorder and then that gave me a lot of security in terms of how I looked, a lot of, you know, thin privilege. Um, and I've been letting go of that and putting on weight and enjoying food and just enjoying my life more. And then sometimes I panic and think, oh my gosh, I'm out of control. And I kind of grasp for that old identity. Um, there's, yeah, there's parts of me that still don't quite want to let go yet. I mostly am. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of feels like a bit of a dance going backwards and forwards between the old and the new. And then the drinking as well is a huge one because our culture, well around here, well, I'm just everywhere really, it's a very big drinking culture. Um, and people are always doing things that they're centered around alcohol. It seems like almost everything is. Although I'm starting to, you know, I'm changing that in my own life, so meeting new people. But I do miss, I miss being the party girl and being the center of everything and, you know, skipping from one party to the next. and knowing everyone and knowing what's going on and so that can be difficult I, I do get that a little bit of the fear of missing out but then I remember that I'm gaining so much and actually I really like my own company and I'm much more of an introvert than I realized so a lot of the time when I used to drink it was actually just to get through a social situation I didn't necessarily want to be at um, and I would drink through tiredness or through a migraine or just through emotions anything just to stay and now I'm starting to realize that actually it's okay to not stay. <laughs> and I'm actually an adult and I can do what I want. Um, and I can socialize in a way that's comfortable for me. And yeah, so it's all it's all a lot of change and a lot of growth. Um, and definitely in the in-between point of letting go of those identities, but still sometimes craving them or leaning towards them and then trying to, I suppose, look forward um, and look forward and transform I wonder about what transformation even is and, you know, realize that that's something that I can do and take control of. Oh my God. I'm like, I, this, I feel like this conversation is so kismet. Um, like, so I stopped drinking maybe a few years ago for like good. I feel like it was like, I would, like, have a drink now and then. I was, like, a really big party girl in my um, in my teenage years. And then by the time I was, like, 20, it kind of started, like, wearing down. And I kind of, like, was realizing the behaviors. And 
really switch to cannabis and smoking weed as like definitely a definitely not as a destructive you know it really helped me at the time um and so I've been doing that for like 10 years and just recently I've stopped smoking cannabis so I know so (laughs) it's really big so I stopped like last month so it's been almost a month but I really fresh it's very fresh and I ended up smoking last night actually yeah so and I kind of stopped like I felt like it just wasn't serving me anymore and like at one time I felt like it was this great thing in my life and I really honor that and I don't feel anything like negative towards it like I actually have like this deep love for it but it's also like so painful to lose that and know that it's just not for me anymore um and like I like came to it's like so weird how it happened like I was doing tarot with my sister and like not to make this whole conversation about me but (laughs) no I'm enjoying it but so I was doing tarot with my sister and you know we were talking about like why I still have this like really big anxiety in my life and I feel like I've done so much work over the past year or two trying to rid myself of this anxiety in a healthy way and it's just like it's gotten less but it's still persistent and I got I kept getting like the moon card like this has been like the year of the moon like living in this darkness and trusting because I get so anxious with like uncertainty and not knowing the unknown um and like allowing things to be you know this idea of just like allowing like not having to control things and I feel like that's where the anxiety comes in is with like control and so I ended up pulling like the ace of wands reversed and it was like go into your dreams about this and it was kind of this idea of like I had realized like I had really been using cannabis for a long time to suppress my dreams because they were always I always had like really bad nightmares and really bad um, just really scary dreams growing up and when you smoke a lot like you don't have them it kind of like I feel like it's like bringing the subconscious to your everyday so it's kind of like muting everything a little bit So you're not fully like processing it at night then. Um, And it was kind of this idea that like I was tamping down my own power to be able to get it to a point where I could feel like I could emotionally handle it or manage it. Um, And I think that happens when we have a lot of trauma in our life. 
And it's hard to deal with it, you know, like those big feelings, it feels so, I guess those waves of the ocean feel really intimidating and big. Um, So I kind of like really listened and it was like a stupid amount of synchronicities that came along with it that was like, all right, you need to like stop smoking and this is a time for change and you know, like give it a shot. So I stopped. And I mean, I had been doing this like all day, every day for 10 years. And (laughs) like, stopping like, it's just been, it's been, I'd say a lot easier in some ways. um, And a lot harder in other ways. Like, I honestly don't, I don't actually miss it because it wasn't, like, if it was doing anything for me, then I feel like I'd keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it wasn't actually, like, it wasn't making me happy or it doesn't make me relax anymore. It's like all those things that, like, I first started doing it. Um, and all these benefits that I got from it, it's like they're not happening anymore. And it's like I was holding on to this past way of being just, you know, just because. Because out of habit and out of um, really also like identity. And like I had my period last night and things have been going great. Like you know, the past month, like, I haven't been smoking. I've been feeling really good. I've been, you know, like, things have come up, and I've actually been, like, dealing with my emotions in this whole new way of not, like, going back to that coping mechanism. And I, you know, I was on my period, so I was, like, feeling shitty, and my body was feeling shitty, and I was watching this movie, and it was, like, I saw this reflection of an archetype of this like young carefree girl who like smoked weed and I (laughs) and it was it's so like silly looking back like I just longed for the feeling that once was and I smoked and like I felt so guilty like like the whole night it was so shitty (laughs) like and it's like it's an awful feeling and it's like I have nothing to feel guilty for like I have like a medical cannabis card it's not even like I'm doing anything wrong but just knowing that I guess that it's not for me and knowing that I'm not actually living authentically I'm I'm trying to like resurrect this feeling from the past Um, and, you know, just reverting back to those old coping mechanisms that aren't even coping anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so understandable, though. Ah! It's so understandable. And that going back to the past as well, it's, ah, I I do that a lot. I sort of felt a little bit like that on the camping trip I went on. I went somewhere that I used to go a lot as a child, um, and so there's lots of really, really beautiful family memories from there. And I was walking around different fields and I was like, oh, we camped in that place and we camped in this place. And then I camped in this place as a teenager and had this hilarious time and passed out in a dinghy in this field. Uh-huh. <laughs> and 
with this friend and it was all of this you know all of these things flooding back to me and it was pieces of the past pieces of my old identity and I just felt kind of miserable for a while because I was like I'm never getting that back you know that's never happening again um, I'm it's never like going to be a, that teenager or that it, child again yes. I really understand that wanting to go back um, and I think like you, you were just so right about the trauma you know so many of us have so much trauma and we're not taught how to cope with it <laughs> um, you know none of us really are uh, so it's also understandable that we do reach out to well anything any behaviors or substances and I think it's 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 not something to, you know, feel guilty about. Although I understand that feeling too, because I used to feel it a lot when I drank. Um, but there, there can be a bit of an all nothing, all or nothing about it, can't there? I think I have to be a little bit like that with alcohol because I just can't seem to moderate with it. Um, oh, 20 years of proof that I can't moderate with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just. I think it's like accepting who you are too. And not, like, there's this, like, resistance to accept where I am right now and not long for, like, who I used to be or worry about, you know, who I'm going to be, like, who I totally resonated with, like, what am I transforming into? Like, not knowing where this is going to take me. I just have this, like, feeling of, like, I don't know. I've also decided recently, like, I don't think I want to have kids. And I'm like, I don't want to have kids. I'm not smoking weed anymore. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, (laughs) this idea. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, because I'm not, like, I'm not really sure about that either. I mean, we, so we're going through infertility as well, which has been a massive thread along with all the other all the other casual griefs and trauma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll just pile that one on as well. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, but it's, I'm just so kind of tired of it all that I, to be honest, I'm not even sure if I even want kids anymore either. And I, I had so much of my identity also piled into trying to have a child and what it would look like to have a child. And now I'm trying to get my head around the fact that it might not happen. I'm not even sure if I even wants it to happen anymore I know I need more time for this healing because it's so intense at the moment but it it is scary it's like okay so what I you know I'm not where I thought I would be by 33 and that's been such a big part of my story that I've been trying to transform as well or transform how I feel about it because I've tied up all my identity in these outside things like am I going to be a mother or not um what is my career going to be because I feel like everything just got so interrupted when my dad died so suddenly it just turned everything upside down and it touched every part of my life every single part including the infertility because they uh, probably come from two surgical terminations that I had that I probably wouldn't have had had he not died so it's like all linked in together but how can I how can I make something good out of this? It doesn't have to mean that I'm happy that or grateful that any of it happened. Because you see that funded about quite a lot, you know, to be grateful for your pain or your trauma. And I don't really feel good about that. Yeah, um, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> like fuck off. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, but transformation though, and, and adaption. Um okay, well who can I be now if I'm not gonna be because 
the degree I was going to do was politics when he died, and I had these big ideas of doing something in politics or international relations or something like that. And I, yeah, I had these big ideas of who I was going to be, the kind of money that I thought I might earn, the kind of family I thought I might have. And I feel like all my friends that I had at, at the same time and all of those relationships really kind of fell away or broke apart as well because of my dad dying and the death phobia, you know, in everybody. So everything everything just changed and nothing turned out how I thought it would. I'm not where I thought I would be and I didn't know it was going to take so long to start dealing with all of this stuff. Um, so it's like, okay, so who am I now? Who am I going to be? And is there a way that I can see that as actually exciting rather than terrifying? Or can those, can both of those things be there? Can I be terrified and excited? Because uh, that's something I'm learning as well, that these two two different things can exist at the same time. I used to think it was all one thing or all another thing, but you can you can have them both. Um, I've been there, I started reading Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown while I was camping, and that sort of really got me off on, you know, so I just think about transformation, like off on that path of really wondering about it, and instead of you know, just thinking about it as a word, but actually as a concept, something I can explore and then do. And um, she, she, she quotes Octavia Butler a lot, which is amazing. One of the quotes I wrote down by Octavia Butler was, um, a victim of God may, through learning and adaption, become a partner of God. And I thought that just blew me away. Like wow. I got goosebumps reading that. And you can, you know, you don't have to, if you're not comfortable with the word God, you can use universe or, you know, whichever. Um, but going from that victim to partner through learning and adaption, I found that really exciting. I love that idea, and it reminds me of the death card into the temperance card. Like, this idea of, like, letting go of your ego, which is, like, your identity, like, what we're talking about, like, accepting what you you know, accepting who you are, but also who you're not and allowing to transform, like knowing that you can't do it on your own. It's like not a solo thing as much as, um, I think we'd like it to be because then I (laughs) think try to make it a solo thing I feel like that would make it like feel a lot safer and because it's like it gets so hard when you know it's relationships that's where a lot of feelings stem from and you know we interact with the world and it's like these things that we used to use to deal with the world when you don't have those it's like what are you going to turn to then and if you don't you know necessarily feel like you have that resolve within yourself yet it's like looking to you know a different source to I guess fuel fuel you forward in like a healthier way yeah Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. And it's hard to, like, trust, you know, that, like, you're doing the right thing because it doesn't feel good. Yes. A lot of the time. And it's, like, we're so used to wanting to feel good all the time. Or, like, 
I don't know. Our society wants you to feel good, right? Yeah, yeah. We're shiny and happy and feel good all the time. And if you're not, then there's something wrong with you rather than there's something wrong with this whole freaking society. (laughs) Totally. And then also, like, storing so much trauma. And I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this idea of, like, Like, you have these big traumatic things that have happened and you've coped by pushing down these emotions for so long. And then now that they're all bubbling up to the surface, like, how how can you kind of, like, work through them with grace? Or how have you started to do that? Um, Like, start to, like, dig out all of those things. (laughs) yeah do some juicy digging (laughs) sometimes I don't even have to dig they're like here I am I dug myself up (laughs) um right okay yeah that's it's so interesting and it it just um feels like it's a day-by-day thing at the moment and actually sometimes I forget that that's what I'm doing and that it's still all new and it's fresh um as it's only a few months in and if you've been sort of suppressing things for years and years then you've got to expect that it will take a while to sort through things and start to feel maybe a bit more balanced or grounded again that it's not going to happen in one fell swoop well it hasn't for me anyway maybe it has happened like that for others um so i keep reminding myself that it's going to take time The writing has been really helpful. So having, it's an almost daily diary that I've been doing. I I haven't done it the week I've been camping. I didn't have any signal, and I really missed it actually, um, because I didn't have, there was no company (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there was no internet or phone signal at all, nothing. And coming back and kind of being online again and thinking about writing my post late this evening about the camping trip, I already feel good about that. I already feel that's grounding me and haven't even started writing it yet. So the daily writing has been really helpful. Um, it's helped me stay on track because in the past when I've stopped drinking, I've always managed to find a way to start again. And I've always labeled it as um, a, like a detox or a bit of a health thing for a while kind of given myself, left that back door open so I can get back to it again. Um, So by writing every day, I'm grounding into the fact that, you know, I really need to be doing this, I deserve to be doing this, and that alcohol is a really serious thing for me. So to keep that in mind, um, there's there's been lots of factors that have been helpful, and the um, plants and herbal medicine has been a really big part of that. So last September is when things really start to get quite difficult with the alcohol again. I planned to start a degree um, in history and archaeology and it didn't really work out. It wasn't quite the right course. I wanted to do just archaeology, but they stopped doing that the year before. And I thought, oh, I'll just do the history and archaeology then just because I want to do archaeology so much. But I didn't think it through and it wasn't right. And I, I felt quite quickly that it wasn't right. And then, so that was another identity to let go of. I was like, oh, right, I thought I'd finally found the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So I had to let go of that thing. And also I was starting to come out of denial of the fertility issues as well. So that's another thing I've been suppressing and that people have been helping me suppress as well because you just get everyone telling you to relax and it happens when the time is right and so on and so forth. 
So there'd been this battle between trying to relax and also knowing that something was wrong. And it all started bubbling up around September, October last year. And I started drinking more and drinking in the day and kind of hiding bottles again, things that I used to do in my 20s and that I hadn't done since I had my big rock bottom in my 20s. So I was outwardly kind of managing it, but internally not really managing it at all. And then it got worse again. Um, and I started walking in the fields a lot and I started noticing plants. Uh, I noticed the rose hips first, I remember. Uh, it was like I'd never seen them before. It's like, what are these shiny, red, beautiful things? <laughs> and I started listening to podcasts about plants and noticing them and starting to use them, starting to make herbal body oils and getting really excited about that and feeling like there's really something for me here. And this is doing something for me. And it felt like a, a connection, like it was some kind of collaboration. So while I was starting to develop this connection to plants, the drinking was getting worse. I was feeling sort of darker and darker in my mood. I just felt like I was drifting away from myself. And it was strange to have these two things happening at once, but it was like I was kind of weaving a net with the plants and the fields and the land that would catch me when I did stop drinking, which is what happened. So in December, I finally stopped. And they were already there. I'd already started that relationship. And I really leaned on them heavily. Um, so I've had tinctures. So I still use tinctures when they are alcohol-based. Uh, but I only have a few drops at a time. And that feels okay for me. I think some people might not feel okay about that. Um, but it's working so far. I don't mind it triggering at all. Um, and so I've developed relationships with specific herbs. Uh, you know, even just going out and finding them and identifying them and not necessarily coming at them with this, what can you do for me? <laughs> what are the uses of this plant? Just getting to know them and appreciating them being there. Uh, that has been a really big thing. I've come back to time and time again when I've been feeling really emotional and tender and all these emotions coming up. I think, right, I can't reach out to a drink, but maybe I can have some tincture or some soothing tea Maybe get some rose in there, some hawthorn's good for grief, lime flower's good for the nervous system. So I'll make a tea of those and I'll sit there and I'll, you know, I'll taste all the flavours, I'll enjoy the heat, the warmth, the cup in my hands, and I'll give myself this time to be with the plants and to be with my emotions at the same time. So it's that thing of not doing it solo. I don't have to do it on my own, like I've been trying to do and still try to do, you know. But it's that letting go. It's like, okay, I'm not the only one that's carrying this. The land is carrying it when I go out there and just enjoy being outside and picking up things to make land art with and picking plants to put in tea. And the plants are holding me as well. And there's been something coming through about ancestors and spirits of the land too. So as I'm listening to my intuition more. So it's, I don't feel like I'm on my own with it. So that's another way to to deal with it and bring some grace in there that I'm not just trying to cling on to it. I'm just trying to barrel through on my own. You know, I still do that fairly often, <laughs> but it's getting easier to let go um, into these other, other beings, I suppose. Yeah. Wow, that is so beautiful. I feel like I got <laughs> chills, like, as you were talking about the plants and just really, like, being in your body to use it as a way to like anchor yourself with all the deep grief. I feel like that is so Pisces Virgo. 
Yes. And you're a Virgo, aren't you? Yeah, Virgo. (laughs) So, like, do you have any, like, thoughts about that? Has that been, like, an ongoing thing with, like, always trying to escape your body? And I guess the difference now, like, really being present in your body? Oh, absolutely. Um, Oh, yeah. For for years I've been doing that, and I've I've found myself in, you know, a series of really stressful jobs that have not been right for me at all. Um, But it's like I've gone from one thing to the next. It's like we spoke about in the reading I had from you that that swimming, swimming, just swimming from one thing to the next and not having any space. Um, And I absolutely love learning and I get really passionately interested and I like to learn lots of different skills so I find it so easy to just stay up in my head Uh, you know I constantly I know I have to discipline myself to not listen to podcasts and audiobooks the whole time because I'm just always wanting to soak in new information and I love it (laughs) but it can sort of tip over and bring me away from my body so it is really good to find ways to start coming back into the body again so along with the various addictions the substances and behaviors that kind of addictions almost being like overstimulated the whole time that's definitely been um, quite a constant thing for me so trying to let go of that bit by bit as well yeah being in the body is so it's so helpful because that, I mean, that's where we live, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> where a lot of this stuff is stored. So, you know, I can be, and I'm just so good at exploding things in my mind as well. Like some things really are big and they need to take up space, but then I can make something really small into something really big. <laughs> oh, yes. Queen of I that. Know, I'm in a massive crisis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I So, mm-hmm. yeah, carry on, sorry. No, I was going to say, it's so interesting how I feel like healing is such a spiral, too. Like, I expect it to be so linear. And, like, I'm going from A to B. And, like, okay. you know, <laughs> I should be this far along now. But, like, I don't know. And it just... It blows my mind. Like, I think, like, accepting that I go to extremes is something I just need to accept. Um, Because last night I was like, you know, I really feel good about this idea of, like, moderation. And I think now, I mean, that would be great if I felt good doing that, but I didn't. So... Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just accepting that's who I am and not making myself feel bad that like, I don't know, that that's, you know, just self-acceptance is so hard. Uh, it really is. And then when you get taste of it, I mean, it's just such a relief, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And it's like, okay, well, now I know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And you think, or like, when I get flooded with that feeling of, oh, actually, everything's okay, I'm okay, and I can be kind to myself, and I'm really genuinely feeling self-compassion, it feels so wonderful, and I'm just like, okay, this is it now, this is just how I feel forever now, (laughs) and I forget that it comes and goes all the time, and it's always changing. 
How do you remind yourself of that, like, when you're not feeling great? Well, sometimes I just, I know intellectually that it's true. And I might not feel that it's true, but I just tell myself that it is and that I'll feel okay again. And to just breathe and find different ways of writing out whatever is happening that's not alcohol. That's the main thing for me to not do. If I can get through it and not drink, I know it'll be okay. Um, and it's just reminders, really, that even when I'm not feeling it, that it will pass. And that, and maybe this time feeling now is supposed to be here because, you know, I'm so used to kicking back against negative emotions because we're told that we're not we're supposed to have them. <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to grieve or feel shame or any of those more challenging emotions um so telling myself that it's okay for them to be there and just finding ways of gently inviting myself into my body even if they don't necessarily work just having that invitation and the intention that this is what i'm doing so okay i'm going to put down whatever i'm doing i'm going to go outside and it might not work maybe it will but i'm going to go anyway or just listen to my intuition as well. Is there somewhere I feel that I would like to go now? Um, I wasn't feeling great a couple of weeks ago and I had a bit of a headache coming and I thought, well, this isn't really the time to go for a long walk. But there was this beach that was really calling to me and I really felt like I wanted to go to. And I was like, no, but should I just go to bed? Would that be the self-compassionate thing to do? Um, but I just followed my intuition. I just went anyway and then I didn't really pay attention to where I was going. I was like, I'll just let my feet take me wherever I'm going. Dennis was with me and I still had a bit of a headache, but slowly it started lifting and I turned the corner to one of my favorite beaches and there was no one there. And it was this incredible sunny day. It was in the summer holidays. So kids should have been there everywhere, <laughs> but there was no one there. And it was like the beach was just there for me. And there were these amazing rock pools and I just splashed about in them and had a swim and it was just incredible and I felt so alive and in my body and it was just from following that really small little seeds, that little hunch, I need to go to that beach. So sometimes just, just trying things out. Yeah, and meditation, uh, not necessarily long, long meditation, sometimes just a few minutes um, of a guided meditation or paying attention to the body to the breath it can be enough sometimes a couple of breaths is enough that's all it takes <laughs> and sometimes it isn't and it's just a matter of riding it out but well that's how it's been so far for me anyway I love that idea of like listening to your intuition of what self-compassion is in the moment because so many times it's like I know for me, it's been like on autopilot that like these are the things that I do to make myself feel better. And like that's what self-compassion was. But like from going, you know, it's like if you're living in the past like that, you're not really tuning into the present with what you like really need in this moment. And it's like you have to listen for it. It's not like you think it's not a thinking thing. It doesn't come from the mind. Yes. I feel yeah. like it comes from the body and the heart. So really like dropping into the heart is like a whole practice. Um, 
Yeah, because I think we, you know, we think ourselves into what we should be doing with self-care, especially with our society of, like, go shopping, like, buy something to make yourself feel better, Um, you know, like, take a bath. It's, like, all of these, like, there's, like, three self-care things you do, like, go to a yoga class, and it's, like, but what if it's none of those things, actually, And you get caught up in this, like, what I should be doing to make yourself feel better. And then it's like, that doesn't make you feel better because that's not really what you needed. Yes, absolutely. And, like, learning to listen to to yourself, I think, is, like, such a beautiful process. And I'm so inspired by you. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. Um, it, it process is the right word. Um, it's definitely the learning all the time, all the time, every day. And actually, the I think the writing again has been helpful with that too. Because sometimes I'll be feeling really kind of distant from what's happening in the moment. So I know something has happened. Some kind of murky emotions have been swirled up, and I'm feeling off, but I'm not sure why. And it might actually be something really obvious. Um, but I haven't seen it and I just, I know I'm in it and that's all I know. <laughs> but when I sit down and start writing about it, whether it's online or just in my notes app or in my notebook, that can sometimes really help things become clear. And I suppose that as well is about opening up space. It's opening up some space for you to be in the moment and to pay attention and to listen. And there's lots of different ways of doing that. Um, it happened the other day when I was doing a tea tasting for the herbal medicine course I'm on. So I've been feeling really rushed. You know that rushed, busy feeling? Yes. Um, learning that that's a trauma response has been really mind-blowing for me. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, so this is, again, this is trauma too. This is how it was showing up today in this busy, can't quite catch my breath or feeling. And, you know, thinking that you have so much to do that you probably don't. I mean, there are things to do, but it's not life and death whether you do it that second or not. Um, but I did this tea tasting and I went outside and I picked some nettle and some yarrow and I tasted them uh, separately. And I actually went about the exercise. It was just like I was ticking the box for what I needed to do for my course that day. And it was part of this long list of things that I had to do that I was rushing through. Um, but the instructions were to really come into your senses and smell the tea before you taste it and then taste it. And it was about, it wasn't just about how it tasted, but what does it remind you of? Are there any memories associated with this smell or this taste? And it was really interesting. You had to go really in depth. And that was enough to completely transport my whole mood. So I've been lurching through the whole day, like really stressed out feeling kind of off, just getting to the next thing. And then that about five minutes, that's all it was, doing that tea tasting, just deflated the momentum of whatever that trauma response was and just brought me back into the moment again. And I was so surprised. That's so cool. And also, like, realizing, like, the physical body and the emotional body are connected, even if we're not tapped into one or the other. Oh, my gosh, yes. But, like, call, like, I love that idea of, like, writing, like, you're in your physical body, you're, you are having emotions, even if you don't 
even if you aren't consciously aware of it in that moment. Um, And then I love the process that you have of writing to like merge the two. Yeah, yeah, it can be really helpful. Um, That's been something that's stayed throughout everything, actually. There's there's lots of things that I've tried and let go of. I've done trainings in or different healing modalities that I've tried that haven't really stuck. Um, But writing has been something that's been there all along and that I really enjoyed when I was younger and a a kid. I used to love writing stories. And I'm starting to experiment a little bit with stories again, so not just writing about my own experience. And I think that can be a really really useful um, and, you know, creative, enjoyable tool as well. Uh, so, you're, you're an artist, aren't you? Yes, I love art of all kinds, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, a, that's another amazing way to come into the moment and into your body as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, like, as a ritual of honoring what you're feeling, because yes. I think it's so beautiful to be able to write down or draw something that's, like, you know, if you're not feeling great, like drawing something really dark and being like, it's something that like draws it out of you. So you don't have to carry it. Yes, that's so beautiful. And I think I'm like, I feel like I'm listening to this at the perfect time. Because I feel like I haven't been drawing as much you know I always drew when I was smoking it was just kind of like you know I did everything while I was smoking so it's like learning to do you know everything in a different way I guess and huge can we just take a second to acknowledge that it's absolutely massive what you're doing you just casually dropped that in a sentence <laughs> you know I was so big and I've just stopped a month ago sorry what <laughs> <laughs> yes that's massive ah <laughs> uh, and I knew like we were gonna talk and I was excited to talk about it and then I you know I smoked last night and I was like ah <laughs> uh, I feel so shitty like oh. Uh, I don't know. I have like so many feelings about this. I'm like, oh, I feel yeah, like I'm about I, to cry. Uh, oh, I went to rehab when I was 25. Um, so, and I stayed there for four months. I remember, I well, I actually, I inherited a little bit of money from my dad's mum. It wasn't like a massive amount, but it wasn't expecting it. And it came at this time where I knew I could either use it to really probably completely destroy myself or try and help myself. So I literally Googled before I could change my mind. It was like, rehabs, rehabs in Spain. Let's do this shit in the sun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I was completely high and everything when I booked it. And I booked a completely unnecessary internal flight. For some reason, I flew from like Manchester to London to Spain. I could have just flown straight to Spain. <laughs> of course. Like, but I remember being on the plane, drinking a gin tonic, being like, what the hell am I doing? Who am I going to meet? What are these people going to be like, you know, not realizing that I was going to be there the longest out of everyone? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got there. I remember the first day getting there. I, I, I arrived late um, and 
uh, one of the people working there picked me up from the airport and we went for dinner um, on the way home at like 10-ish because I missed dinner in rehab. And he was like, do you want a beer? Do you want your last beer? And I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm going to start from now. And I arrived there and oh, I thought, you know, I'll be there for a month, sort out my shit, go home, everything will be fine. And I didn't realize that it would involve people telling me I was going to have to stop drinking and all of this forever. And I did not know the kind of worms I was opening. It was freaking worm city. Yes. <laughs> worms everywhere. Worm like, city. What? Yes. I thought this was going to be a fucking holiday. Yes. <laughs> um, but I was there for four months and, you know, I... I learned a lot and it got drummed into me every day, you know, that I have this problem and it's not just this casual thing that I can dip in and out of. And even by then, I had enough evidence really to tell me that this had been an issue for me and always had, probably since I was a teenager, since my first drink, I remember gulping down about four glasses of wine at a family reunion. My cousin's just staring at me like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> And I was just like, this is great. This is amazing. Um, so it always been there. Uh, but, you know, I was 25. And I, it's just so young. I look back at myself then and just, you know, how grown up I thought I was. But I was still a baby. And I could not get my head around the fact that that was something I really was going to have to do forever. So despite looking at the evidence despite all this group therapy it still took me a further eight years from then until last december the 18th <laughs> to really let it go so it's just it's a long process is letting go of these substances and these things that have in a way served us for so long it's not not for everyone it's, it's not an overnight the thing that just happens and I think there's a lot to be said for harm reduction as well because I I just really I beat myself up so much it sort of it reminds me a little bit about you know you were saying you feel guilty about having a smoke last night but you know there's just nothing really to feel guilty about I really feel like that we're all we're all doing our best the whole time and it's just a constant learning, a constant going backwards and forwards and picking up new bits, going backwards again, going, you know, forwards again. And it's just, it's just all over the place. Like you said, it's not linear. So it's, you know, you've probably learned something by having a smoke last night and maybe that'll inform, you know, whatever step happens next and that it's all okay. It's all valid. Not one bit is kind of more important or more right or better than any other. It's all valid, all counts. And I think, like, I totally relate this idea of, like, deciding to do something. And it was kind of just started out as, like, an experiment. Like, like I feel like I got this message of stop. And I stopped. And stopping was just, like, the surface layer of... That's the easy part. Oh my god. Yes. Who knew? Who knew? It was like I think what made me feel so shitty last night was realizing that smoking or not, these things that I'm dealing with underneath this problem are there no matter what. 
they don't go anywhere. They don't go anywhere, whether I do Nothing this or not. <laughs> yes. Ah, and I think really um, just facing my shit is, you know, it's hard. Um, oh, it is. It looking is. at yourself, really seeing what's going on. I feel like I have this like very, I don't know if you're like into astrology at all, but like Neptune and this idea of like um, disillusionment and not seeing things clearly and avoiding things because they're not pretty um, <laughs> because it's easier that way sometimes um and I think when you really like dive into all of it to really hold it in your body is like it's so much you know it is honestly I've just I've got my hand on my heart as you say that because it is so much and I just feel so much compassion for you for me for anyone who's trying to do it because it's so hard (laughs) and we're not even just carrying or holding our own trauma. It's everything that's ever come before us in our family line as well. So that is a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. So I want to talk about like how, what has made like going through, I feel like we kind of talked about it, but if you have any more like ideas, like, like, especially with like the trauma of losing your dad, like, how are you kind of like dealing with that now and kind of starting to unpack it, I guess? Okay, that is such a juicy question. I feel like that's an overused word at the moment. I'm like, this is juicy. That's it's juicy. all juicy. <laughs> I <laughs> agree. It's a juice first at the moment. <laughs> um, Okay, I'm just going to think about that for a second. Just going to take a couple of breaths. Sure. Okay. I think part of what's helping has been learning about the the cultural situation surrounding what happened so I felt so much shame for so long about how I coped and some of the absolutely I mean incredible things that I did (laughs) to try and cope um oh I felt years feeling almost paralyzed by shame So realizing that it was not necessarily my fault, that I didn't react in a way that was awful or made me a terrible human, but that it was sort of the fault of the general culture we're in, not just me, uh, family culture, the culture at large. So learning about death phobia, starting to do the end of life doula course, um, that that has been really helpful. We did a, a laying out the dead workshop a few weeks ago, and that really made me reflect on how things might have been different if I'd seen his body after he died, because he died in another country. And then he came back, and he was in a chapel rest, and my mum or somebody, a relative, asked if I wanted to go and see him. And I said no, and that was it at the end of the conversation, as if, I'd just been asked if I wanted a cup of tea or not. (laughs) And 
I just think the implications of not seeing him after he died and spending time with him then has been, I can't even, it's just been enormous. It's reached into every single part of my life because, I mean, it was difficult anyway because it happened so suddenly in a different country. It was in an airport. You know, he'd been pretty healthy. He was on his way home. So he just, part of me is like, he just hasn't come home yet. So if I'd seen him, I think that could have really helped a lot of the confusion and the trauma that came afterwards because I couldn't process it because I didn't know what I was processing. My psyche hadn't caught up to the fact that this massive, massive thing had happened, even though intellectually I knew that everything was different. So learning about all this is really helping um, because I can understand how difficult things were um, and why and maybe there is something that I can do for the people around me or anyone I come into contact with that's doing, you know, or going through anything like this that I can maybe support better now that I've been through it and now that I'm learning. And personally with him, having this space by not drinking is kind of like inviting him back in again because I think part of me as well was really keeping him at arm's length because I just didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to cope with it or how to develop a new relationship with him now that he wasn't here in body anymore. But he's still my dad. Um, I'm just going to take another second. Of course. So it's this transformation again that he's transformed, that I'm transforming, that I can invite him into my life in a new way now. And I think I put that off for a long time because that would really mean admitting the truth about what happened as well. I'm doing that now and it's funny I've had a few dreams about him over the years and they've always involved distance so he'll be around but I can't quite reach him or we'll be at a party and he's at the other side and I can't get there things like that or there was one where we were all at a picnic but he was on the side of the blanket kind of looking out and not really in the circle um, I've written a poem about that actually I'll send it to you um, and I think that was all the distance and not facing the emotions and not sort of not holding him I, uh, I got into Stephen Jenkinson's work a few years ago because I was literally googling how to grieve <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> wasn't held so my family wasn't held and it wasn't you know not to blame anyone again it's the culture um but I found Stephen Jenkinson's work and he has got the orphan 
Wisdom School, if anyone fancies checking his work out, um, that's his website. But he was a part of care counsellor for years, and he has taken his what he's learned from sitting with thousands of people who were dying into, into his school. And he said the main fear of people wasn't of pain and suffering, although that was up there. It was the fear that they wouldn't be carried after they've gone. And again, I just put my hand on my heart when I hear that. Every time I hear that, that that's the fear, I just, oof, you know, that's like, that's ouch. <laughs> uh, because we don't, in this culture, so much carry people when they've gone. I was thinking about it earlier. I was, you know, thinking about talking to you and I was thinking about my dad. And I was thinking, I actually, I can't probably on the fingers of one hand how many times somebody has brought him up with me. And that's just incredible because he was such a massive part of the life of everybody that he knew. Because <laughs> he, he was just this incredible, um, irreverent, charming, adventurous, intelligent person. And, you know, he was just the sunshine of wherever he was. Everybody flocked to him. Everybody loved him. He was the heart and soul. And then he was gone and then nobody thought about him. And I wonder if that's what the dreams have been about. It's like, you're not carrying me. And I feel like that's, that's what I'm trying to do now. And that's the part of the healing is that I make time to think about him on purpose. I'm trying to talk about him more to other people. So I think, okay, people aren't going to talk to me about him. I'm not going to just sit around and whinge about it, although I find it very annoying. <laughs> so I'll start the conversation then. Um, just here and there. I'm not quite going all out. Just a few conversations here and there have started. I've started just thinking about him more and... I've got his picture up on my altar. I make time for him. I like animals for him and my other ancestors. So ancestor work in general is starting to support me in the relationship with him and the relationship with myself. And I've had a few more kind of visions of him recently and they've been much, well, much more connected. One that he was in this, um, part of Malawi that we loved, Luwandi National Park, and he was just in his like safari clothes and he was walking through the forest and he just looked back and he looked really happy and he was like waving at me. And I haven't had anything like that. It's all been disconnected, it's all been disjointed and he's never looked me in the eye in any dream or daydream or anything. So that happened and then I had another one recently where I did this seven rooms meditation and you had to go into like different rooms and there were things waiting for you. Um, and he was in two of them and it just felt much more natural that, okay, you're here, you are here somehow. Um, you're not just lost, you're not just nothing, which is how it felt for so long. It's like, where have you gone? You're nowhere, you're nothing. And it's gone from that to, okay, you're something and you've changed. And maybe as I open up to my intuition, and my guides, you're actually here still as a guide, and I can think of you in that way. I wrote myself a little journal prompt while I was camping, and it was, how would you feel to have your dad as a guide? You know, how would that feel if you knew he was? And it was after that that he popped up in that meditation. So I guess I'm turning towards him 
now. And as I turn towards him, he turns towards me. And wow. Yeah, that's, I suppose that, that's the big difference is turning towards and that's a big part of the, the healing of all of it, is turning towards all of it and letting it be there and feeling, <laughs> feeling it all, ouch. <laughs> yeah, and crying and not being sorry to cry or to show any emotion because like you said, we live in this culture that's got this academic of invalidating emotions and suppressing them and to just not do that anymore. And I don't think I've got the energy to be... To be honest, anyone to do that, I don't think I want to, don't think I can, I'm not interested in it, that's why I'm writing every day, it's like, the energy to pretend is just fucking gone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like, here it is, here are my emotions, here are my feelings, and I'm just going to keep putting them out there, because it's doing something, yeah, so because something is changing, for sure. I feel like the, like, the water element, and thinking about, like, thinking about it in relation to like astrology and the moon and the moon card and tarot, like this deep watery realm, I feel like connects us to our ancestors through the water. And like that is through emotion. I feel like when we cut ourselves off from emotion, we're cutting ourselves off from our ancestors Yes. I've been thinking a lot about that. Like my my great grandmother, I feel like she she had a lot of like healer in her and carried this great intuition that got passed down into my maternal line. And my mom had a lot of trauma with her mom. And my mom kind of like cut herself off from this matrilineal line. And I think I inherited a lot of that and saw her suppress those emotions and kind of taught me to suppress those emotions. And I really have been like very consciously thinking about reconnecting to that that ancestral um, matrilineal line of mine. And I think the way I'm doing it is through really just feeling my emotions. And I don't think they're just my emotions. I think I'm feeling all the emotions that were cut off from her. And... You know, I think it's like when we've suppressed something for so long, it's like so intense at first. Um, And I think like I'm just trying to remind myself, like this is such a great reminder that like, you know, it's not going to kill me, even though it's so uncomfortable because we get that like anxiety because we feel so unsafe because it's taught that it's like unsafe to do it Mm. and like really like allowing myself to feel everything and reminding myself that it is safe to feel all of these things and it's okay and it's just like a completely different way of approaching everything 
And it's like all of the important things also. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes when I've got those intense emotions coming up, I literally say to myself out loud sometimes, you know, you're allowed to feel this. And I'll kind of scoop myself up in a little hug, you know, hug around myself. So you're allowed. You're allowed to feel this. It's safe to feel this. Maybe like stroke my arm a bit. Even if I don't feel safe, I'll still say that and like staying that to myself and like kind of showing up for myself or whichever part of me is wanting to come up or maybe even not me like you're saying an emotion from you know what it could be anywhere in your ancestry you don't know and I think that's another uh, another reason to to come into the body as well because we can't always figure it out sometimes it's obvious but sometimes we just need to feel it because it could be coming, well, who knows where it's coming from. It could be coming from generations and generations ago. But it's, I just want to take a moment again to say that that's, that's really big work that, that you're doing there and they're stopping the cannabis and letting all this stuff come up because, like you said, it's not, <laughs> it's not the done thing, is it? <laughs> it's not. And I think I just realized that also with talking with you. So I feel like this has been like a very big breakthrough. Oh, that's amazing. Because I didn't really realize like why I was so upset last night. Because it's like not the act that was bad. It's yeah. just I think coming to terms with the work that I'm doing and it's not going to stop whether I want it to or not. <laughs> it's like I can, <laughs> it's like I can choose to it's like I can choose which way I want to experience it. Do I want to like face it head on or do I want to like try and skirt around it and meet it in inevitably just a different way that maybe I don't have control over. And, you know, it's really scary to, like, it's scary to show up for yourself like that and work on something invisible, (laughs) such as emotions. (laughs) You know, it's like... It's not like a tangible thing where everybody understands it and it's logical and... Tell me about it. You can't just, if someone says, what are you up to this afternoon? (laughs) Yes, it's like, oh my God, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally, totally get that. And I think that's that's part of it as well, the fear, isn't it? Because it's like, is any of this even fucking real? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, is this even a thing? Like, is my family member that's, you know, thinks I've got a bit overboard with my Instagram account and stuff, are they right? Because it, it does seem like it tends to fall to one person in a family to do this ancestral work. Ah, it's so true. And yeah, it's. I'm like, hang on a minute, family member. <laughs> I'm the one doing all this fucking work because you're not doing it. <laughs> yes. And it. It's it's hard. I don't want to like sound like a victim. I feel like I sound a little victimy. Like, oh, it's so hard. Nobody else is doing it. <laughs> and like these stories that I get, I don't know. I'm like such a dramatic human. Also, <laughs> I can relate. 
and like figuring out like what's real and what's not and it's you time to just go for a walk (laughs) yes and like you know when I I realize how crazy I sound when I'm like I want to stop smoking so I could go into my dreams (laughs) like (laughs) like Like, I mean, it's, like, for the whole point of transformation. But then people question you, well, what are you transforming into? Like, what's wrong with you right now? And to answer that is, like, I don't know. But it's just, like, a knowing also. A knowing and a not knowing. I read something so beautifully, um... I went to a Jewish temple for the first time. It was my nephew's bar mitzvah. And I was reading in the the prayer book and it, it said, God shows himself so clearly, but at the same time, he eludes you. Yes. And I so relate to that. Like oh, this... Yeah knowing and this not knowing and feeling like God is there and then wondering where he went. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, looking under things. Hello, where the fuck did you go? (laughs) Yes, and then, you know, and then you start to question yourself. Absolutely. And it's like... I that. It's so hard to trust when it's not, when it's a constantly changing thing. It's like there's no control. No, no, unfortunately not. (laughs) (laughs) And just like allowing, and I guess like finding peace with the lack of control is a big thing I'm trying to work on. Yeah, that is huge. That is huge. Um, how, what have you been, how have you kind of, like, let your control die? Like, this, um, I love that you're, you're talking about being, like, an end-of-life doula in this. Yeah, I want to talk about that, but also, like, letting things die in your life that you no longer need. Yeah, it is an interesting one, and it is happening, um, well, firstly, you know, that, that alcohol has died for now. Anyway, you know, I don't know what will happen. Um, and if I do drink, I don't feel like it's discounted all the work that I've done. I think that can sometimes happen in some kind of recovery settings or thought that, you know, if you have one drink that you, you're starting from the beginning again. Um, but for now, that's died for me. And like you said there is that the stopping is the easy bit (laughs) so it's the dealing with things that are coming up the changes I've noticed that the idea of who I was is dying or who I thought I was going to be that's dying and I am getting more comfortable with it so time is really helping with that the writing's really helping with it Listening to my intuition, actually, because it's leading me to people I feel comfortable with, people that are like-minded, people like you, like being here having this conversation now wouldn't have happened if I hadn't started listening to my intuition and let it, just letting myself, following my interests and 
listening to podcasts that I wanted to, exploring new things like tarot. I'm still a beginner, but I'm loving it. Uh, I really want to dive more into astrology and all of these things. That, you know, leaning into the new and into the transformation is really helping the old things die. So it's like that this thing is dying, okay, and I'm going to feel that and I'm going to be with it. And, you know, and at the same time, I can also look forward and dive into something else. So it's all this contradiction can happen at the same time. The relationships are changing too. There's, you know, certain friendships are changing my boundaries are getting stronger. So again, that's saying goodbye to the old me, letting that old me that had no boundaries, that never did what she wanted, that always did what she thought she could do. You know, she's she's going. <laughs> One day she'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a process at the moment. Oh, and it's all mixed in together and it's all mixed in with the transformation and also looking forwards and the the letting myself come up for air as well because I'm starting to get pretty not comfortable but you know I'm okay going into the shadow and going into grief and into my shame and doing this unpicking that needs to happen the processing that can unlock all this stuff that's been you know trapped but you know knowing that actually I'm also here and alive to seek and enjoy pleasure in all of the ways that it comes up you know and it can just be such small things that I didn't even notice before like the weather is changing at the moment and I had a morning cup of tea outside yesterday and just a slight bite in the air and the sunrise and Dennis and these are all things that I might not have noticed before it's like I can you know I can let go into this and I can also feel good and I can come up for air and I can watch a hilarious movie I can go out to cinema with Chris. I can eat some delicious food. There, you know, I can go for a swim. I'm loving the swimming at the moment. So it's this, yeah, this constant, it's a constant kind of tension and push and pull going on. There is all part of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So with tarot, what kind of cards have you, like what's your tarot practice like? with you getting into it? How has it helped you on this journey or going through and like any cards that you feel like are just really showing up a lot or you feel like a deep kinship with? Yeah, okay, I love that question. So I am very new to it. So I've been pulling a card maybe once every few days or sometimes a couple or I'll pull another one to try and help explain one a little bit more. I, before going on my camping trip, and it was, I just finished a call with my end of life dual course mentor, and I was feeling really inspired, and good about myself, and comfortable, and just about to go into the wild, and I pulled the Empress for the first time, and I was like, yes, this is amazing! Yay! (laughs) I felt so good about that, Um, but what's interesting is that I went, and I was sort of just getting into my groove of being alone because, um, uh, you know, it was a big adjustment to not have any company or, like, not have my phone or anything like that. I was just getting into it and I was about to do some writing and then it was a bit of a miscommunication. And anyway, the details aren't important, but I got a visitor, which was unexpected, 
and it kind of like threw me off my flow and I was a bit discombobulated and I pulled a card after they left because I was just feeling suddenly really I don't know I just felt really off all this stuff come up around boundaries I was just feeling ugh, and I got the empress reversed <laughs> like ah okay <laughs> that was really interesting uh, and then the next day I was starting to think about transformation in a more of an intentional way. So again, not just throwing it out there as a word, but like, what is it? And what's coming up around that for me? Do I think I'm allowed? What is that, you know, what will that look like for me? Do I think I can take control or is it something I'm just waiting for it to happen? And so I really started journaling into all that and I got the death card and the death card has come up a lot for me. Um, all over the place and then I found out that it was one of my birth cards as well I was like oh this is pretty perfect <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah especially because you know going into like, all the like the grief stuff and the grief work and the end of life doula work um so I actually love the death card whenever it comes up I find that really exciting I yeah. love the death card also yeah yeah it's uh, yeah I like it when it comes up it makes me feel like things are happening, things are changing. I just, yeah, it's like a card of, I don't know, alignment or things are going to be in alignment. Um, the Queen of Cups reversed came up a few weeks ago after a really difficult family boundary, uncomfortable argument type situation I had. Uh, and that was a really good example for me of how, how tarot can be used for transformation um, because uh, I'd been feeling really good and this situation happened out of the blue and it hadn't happened for a while and something was definitely triggered, some quite big trauma was triggered and it kind of lingered in the evening. I woke up and it was still there and it was a full body kind of response to what happened and I was just feeling lost. I smoked for the first time in eight years um, and again I don't think that was a big deal. I didn't beat myself up but it was just a sign that I was really scrabbling to get away from whatever that feeling was that come up. And I kind of scrabbled together some self-care moves and I tidied and I had a shower and I took some herbs, made some tea, and then I sat down and pulled a card and I got the Queen of Cups reversed. And when I was reading it, it was all about boundaries being crossed and not taking on other people's stuff. And it just was so perfect what happened. And I kind of intellectually knew what happened, but having that validation from what felt like the third party, <laughs> the cards, actually helped it click into truth in my body, seeing it from someone else. Like, it's not just coming from me. It's in my own brain trying to figure it out. It was the answer or some kind of insight coming in from the third party, and it just helped me ease and relax in my body. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what's happening. I don't need to take this on this isn't mine and the tension just melted and I thought wow okay tarot really magic (laughs) wow I love that story I loved it as well (laughs) ah and like this idea I feel like we're so conditioned also to take on other people's emotions oh my gosh yes you're so right And, like, putting up boundaries is so hard, especially when, you know, I feel like a lot of us were so open, maybe not, like, open to the emotions of ourselves. It's like we push away our own emotions, but then we're vulnerable to other people's emotions. Uh, 
Yeah, and like learning how to explore our own but keep others at bay is like the complete opposite. Yes, yes it is. Um, It's hard work. It's hard when it's like those relationships are, you know, they've had patterns and habits and... You know, you're playing little roles, and then you change roles. Yeah. And is that where the ancestral stuff is coming in, isn't it? It's like, I'm not changing just the habit of my lifetime. Ah, uh, it's so true. Of- <laughs> 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 yeah. So I want to hear about, like, the end-of-life doula stuff. Like, what did you learn okay. from that? Where are you? Where do you want to take it? Where do you see yourself taking it? Well, it's, I, I first heard about end-of-life work. It was actually through the um, finding out about Stephen Jenkins and his work on death phobia and where that comes from. And I just realized oh, just how much of a disservice we're doing to our, our, our dying, our dead, our ancestors, all of it really. And I wanted to find a way to get involved somehow. Um, I actually signed up to do the course the year last year and I started it but I was definitely last year coming from the place of I you know a fear of I need to I need some kind of title job title I need to say I am this I am a doula (laughs) you know something that I could say at parties that question always gets so what do you do I am this like that has been that direction thing has just been a real real theme for me um, something that's been so, so triggering over the years that I've only just starting to come to peace with. Um, and I was really interested in it and all of the the aspects that come underneath it because there's a lot of uh, self-care work around it, your own stories of grief and loss, your beliefs around dying, ancestor work, genealogy, all of these things that I'm interested in anyway. So I was interested, but I was coming from this place of I want to say I am something. Um, so... I started it and then uh, the drinking stuff off again last autumn and I stepped back from it. So I started it again, so I'm sort of doing it again from the beginning and this time I'm coming to it from the place of self-development and discovery and I can see it leading somewhere in the future, um, possibly work, but at the moment I'm just seeing it as something that's for me and part of this whole journey of exploration and healing at the moment. And I feel like it's I've kind of it's in its right place again. <laughs> and I'm coming to it from the right place. Um so there's all these interesting aspects. A lot of it is our own stories of death and dying. And it's in a red tent format, so all of the trainings are done in circle, and there's a lot of sharing of stories. And there's always an altar where we're invited to put pictures of our ancestors or anything important to us. And it's yeah, it's about it's a lot about community as well. And um, so how can we look after each other? And that's getting more of an you know more pertinent and more interesting now that funding for healthcare and hospices and things like that. Well, I'm thinking about the NHS here in the UK is getting more and more scarce. Um, that, and, and we're, you know, we're growing an aging population and we're living longer and longer. Um, and so how are we going to look after, how are we going to look after everyone that's dying? How can we make sure that people do get a quote unquote, a good death? So what kind of death would I want? And, you know, it's that, 
if I want to have a good death, shouldn't I be making sure that people around me or in my communities have got that opportunity as well? And there's just so much tied up in it and their death phobia. Because uh, Stephen Jenkinson goes into the, the kind of, well, just asking the questions. Of, it's not just him that's doing this. Lots of people are doing it, but he's the, the person that got me into it, that started me on the kind of the journey of starting to question things like colonialism and uh, Christianity and white supremacy um, and all of this. So it's all tied up and all related. Again, very juicy. <laughs> it is. There's so many layers to everything. It's yeah. like once yeah, you start. <laughs> yes. And I feel like some of the things with like avoiding and escapism is like just staying on that top layer where everything appears smooth. I guess it's like this, um, I don't know. I don't want to say shallow because it's not, I don't know. Maybe it's a little shallow. Like not going into the depths of the grief. It's like nothing, nothing ever changes. It's like you continue just sailing along as you are and... You know, I don't think that's where the healing happens. It's like the healing happens in all this messy, um, you know, the depths of the dark. And it's so scary to go in there because it feels like you're dying because a part of you is dying. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's, it's such an, like, it's, it feels so contrary because in order to heal, it's letting things die. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to the mind, but it feels so true. Yeah, it's that true feeling, isn't it? That's what you have to trust. (laughs) Yeah, Uh uh-huh. What can be so hard when the people... Well, when some of the people around you aren't doing that kind of thing, it can, yeah, make you question your trust, like you mentioned before. But, yeah, I have to keep going back to the body and what feels right and seeking out people who, you know, who do feel the same that you can have some kind of community with. So the course is about building community as well. So we know we have each other to talk to about this this kind of thing. And, yeah, I just, I feel like it doesn't, it's not even just about, that's the doula work you can doula people through all sorts of things you know I was thinking that you know I'm sure it's already a thing but being a fertility doula for somebody who's going through infertility because there's so much grief involved and it's still got a lot of stigma around it like death does and addiction does yeah I love the stigmas yeah because we're not we're just not held um transitions yeah transitions you know once upon a time you know thinking especially of just western culture and whiteness and you know how we were cut off from the rituals that would have helped us with transitions and we just don't have them anymore yet we're expected to sort of get by and then that's where consumerism comes in to to fill that void and that kind of fear or grabbing other people's 
traditions exactly. like the work that they've done i yes. i realize i did that with yoga for a really long time oh that's interesting yeah. and when really like you know asking myself wh- wh- why are you doing this is this really connecting with you is this your lineage should i really be a yoga teacher you know what do i know about this ancient practice (laughs) that like I don't know like um we're we're so quick to um take the work of others because it's harder and scarier to do it for ourselves completely and you know I've done it I've done it too. I did the I've done a mindfulness teacher training in 2016 that you know I did really well at and I got really good feedback and I started doing some teaching but I just couldn't stick on it because it was just that gnawing question in the back of my mind. Why do we need so much of this mindfulness in the West? Like where are our healing tools and traditions? Why haven't we got anything? And that's what I'd like to explore. I mean, what, what am I even doing? What am I perpetuating by, you know, if I carried on teaching this in the way that I am, you know, just what am I, what am I doing? What are, what are, what are we doing? Yeah. And, <laughs> As a culture, and I am just obviously specifically just talking about white, white people here. Um, and I, it struck me when you were saying earlier, uh, you were talking about doing the ancestral work and sitting with emotions that you're not even sure are yours I felt like that is some kind of something about that being an antidote to cultural appropriation because you're actually turning back towards your culture no matter how broken and painful it is yes and you're turning back to it and you're not abandoning it for something else and you know like having this kind of colonial mindset of well I'll go to something else which you know I do I have done, I probably still do all the time. And it's something that's also a constant work in progress as well, because our minds are so, you know, well, I, you know, talk about myself, you know, I, I'm white, I've you know, been swimming in this waters of white supremacy my whole life. So it's like just coming up for air now and thinking, whoa, shit, everything looks way different than I thought it did. Everything has changed. Everything's got to change. <laughs> Yeah, thinking about like perspectives and what is true, no matter like what I've been thinking a lot about, like the seven of wands. And in the picture, he is, um, he's got like his staff and a bunch of people around him. And there's a lot of different like ways people interpret this card, but. I've started to see that it's all, to me anyway, it feels like the perspective is an illusion and it's like the, I guess the difference of higher ground is like, it's all the same. It's just where you're standing and this idea that one is more valid than the other is it feels like an illusion and coming back to remembering that it's all 
it's like it's all one there is this truth i feel like that like is love right and like that feels like the real truth and the real perspective that's available to all of us but sometimes we take it on as fear instead thinking that we're all different and that we have to like claim or tell somebody else that they're wrong or even like avoid taking dipping into the real love like the realness and just stealing somebody else's or putting on the the lens of somebody else because sometimes the love doesn't even feel good. You know what I mean? Like, it's like an overwhelming feeling. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's like a lot to carry. It is a lot to carry. And if you think, I just think about the history of what your people might have gone through or what your people have done. Oh, and try, trying to feel, address some kind of accountability around it. Of course, it's not going to feel good. It's going to feel horrific (laughs) if you're really going into it um but at least at least you're going back into your lineage and at least it's the truth and it's for you and it's there for you to address and go into yeah it feels like feeling is healing (laughs) yeah yeah definitely Definitely. (laughs) not to like you know dumb it down but I feel like sometimes it's best to just try and keep it really simple and not get lost in, I don't know, it just seems like a lot of things are so complex and there's so many different layers and I think when we see that it scares us. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like allowing things to be multifaceted and you know, knowing that you're not perfect and, but still going into it anyway. Instead of, I, I don't know, I just keep thinking about the yoga thing. Like, instead of just appropriating somebody else's culture and because it's easier than feeling the hard feelings of your own. Um, maybe um, like finding community around that is useful too so people that are doing similar things so that you don't feel so lonely with it because it can feel very lonely I think because not that many people are doing it it's growing which is amazing um, but there are not that many people that I know in my day to day life that I can just drop into a conversation in around decolonizing and <laughs> <laughs> hey we're having tea let's talk let me drop this bomb on (laughs) you yeah (laughs) not that fun at parties anymore (laughs) yeah and you know what I always feel like I'm you know I feel like I'm being an asshole like bringing (laughs) up this shit that you know people don't want to talk about and you know, I think those are my own feelings that it's like, it's okay if you feel like that. Like, you don't need to feel great all the time. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
and it's finding ways of not for me of not being so preachy about it as well because I'm realizing that I really need to stay stay as humble as possible because I've only literally just found out this stuff for myself five minutes ago (laughs) yeah I totally agree and I feel like in but also like not avoiding it because I don't know everything because I think that's where I was at for so long with like don't even talk about it because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about yeah it's like just don't relate don't even relate don't start anything um and then that's what feels like it just more kind of perpetuates it yeah yeah because it's that binary isn't it of like something's perfect or it's rubbish and you've got to be perfect and don't try something unless you're going to be really good at it already it's like no we can just messily take one step at a time and keep trying to relate and communicate and just keep trying yes that is so beautiful i totally relate to that like messy like embracing the messiness yeah it's everywhere (laughs) can't get away from it (laughs) you can't And, like, I feel like the more you try and clean it up, the more it just, like, comes back, like, double. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You sort of try and brush it under the carpet, but suddenly there's this huge mountain under the carpet and you don't live in anymore. (laughs) And it can be beautiful mm -hmm. as well. It's not – I mean, that's that's one thing I was trying to emphasize to this this family member that was kind of questioning my – Instagram account is that I'm not just wallowing in grief the whole time although I think that's a perfectly good way to spend an afternoon Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but you know it's alongside that you know if you let yourself go to those places I feel like you're clearing more room on the other side as well to experience the moment and deep joy and gratitude I don't feel depressed anymore which is just a miracle to me because I used to feel so lost and empty and lonely almost all the time and I didn't know what was wrong with me and then I stopped drinking and although it's been an emotional roller coaster and sometimes I can be bent double with sadness and not be able to stop crying but I don't feel depressed the next hour I can be happy and laughing about something or I can laugh about something at the same time. There's more room for everything now. And it's not all sadness. I feel a lot of joy and I laugh so much and I'm so much more grounded as well. So I think the more you go into this, the more room there is for just everything, more spaciousness. That's beautiful, but spaciousness on both ends of the spectrum. Yes, exactly, yes. It's like healing the ugly parts allows for this like beautiful thing to come down that we would like, if you ignore one, you ignore the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually reminded me of this quote that I was going to share by Frances Weller. And it kind of just encapsulates that. So this is from a podcast, I think the Embodiment Matters podcast. Um, and he said, we asked, how big can you be? How large can you become in this moment to get your arms around the most difficult things that life has thrown at you? And life throws hard stuff at you and you have to become large enough to encounter it. Otherwise you become small and you use strategies and you cope and you endure. And again, we didn't come here simply to endure or to cope. 
We came here to live wild, exuberant lives. Wow. Wow. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I want to live a wild, exuberant life. Yeah, exactly. That's the goal now. <laughs> yeah, my card, is, like my birth card is the emperor. Oh, me too. Well, the emperor and death. Did you have both of those too? I think so because I am, because it's 13, I think. Yeah. And then it like reduces down to four. Yes. And I totally feel both of those and like taking up space and I think being oh I'm I've always been like uncomfortable with allowing myself to feel my emotions because they always have I feel like have made me feel like I'm being too much oh yes yes exactly and I love the way Lindsay Mack talks about the emperor being like a mountain and it, you know, not making oneself smaller. Ooh, I love that too. With like, you know, it sees a tree and it feels like it needs to become smaller. Mm. But like just taking up the space. Mm. And that is so hard for me. Mm-hmm. It is really difficult when, because if you if you feel that way, then maybe that's something that's been passed down. And again, that could be going generations back too. So it's a real, it's a really big thing to try and change. Um, yeah. Did you, have you heard things like you're too sensitive or you're a drama queen? That kind oh of Oh my thing. God. Story yes. of my <laughs> life. My mom calls me like a natural hurricane. Like. <laughs> She's like, your emotions are really big. (laughs) You know, I say I love it, but I also see the flip side of that, you know, not being a nice thing to hear. Um, Yeah, yeah. That image with the mountain, though, that's lovely because there's such such a steadiness there as well. Yeah, and I think, like, I, I think I feel a little bit more like, like an ocean with the emotional thing. And I'm wondering kind of like how, I guess how they relate. And it makes me kind of think about like with the death card being a part of it. And Scorpio is so like in the depths of water, which rules the death card. And them going like in tandem, like I think, you know, maybe the deeper you go into that ocean, the taller you can stand as the mountain. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Because you don't have to pretend anymore to be something else, so you can just be yourself standing there. (laughs) Right, yes. And I think not being intimidated by, you know, who you are because you've been taught to be intimidated by it, by what's been, like, reflected back to you. Yeah. Yeah, accepting your differences, maybe in your family or your, you know, your friendship circle as it stands, accepting that maybe you are just a bit different and there are also people out there that have your, you know, your similarities and the same way yeah you have your people and it's okay to be different totally and I think like celebrating the differences is really beautiful I'm gonna get there one day (laughs) you definitely you're well on the way Uh, you are doing the podcast I think that's a 
that's a pretty good sign of being well on the way of accepting your difference because you're putting yourself out there all the time every week aren't you and you're so honest ah painfully honest (laughs) (laughs) oh and you interview really interesting people (laughs) I have to agree with you there yes Yeah, that's very beautiful. You are you are stepping into into the mountain. Thank God for the internet. Honestly. <laughs> I got completely lost without it this week in the valley. Oh. Yeah, so what was that like? I know I've been like keeping you on here for like almost two hours. So I'm gonna <laughs> like the last question, like what? Okay, good. I want to hear like about your camping trip and like what was it like really just being with yourself and like what did you discover? Oh my word, Anna. I I was so busy in the lead up to going um, and then working on the weekend and I just left, sort of packed and left on the Monday. Um, and Chris was uh, initially supposed to come with me, but he couldn't in the end. Um, and I thought, well, I'll just go on my own. I still want to go. And it's to this beautiful bit of the world that I've been visiting since I was a child. Um, so there was like quite a lot of nostalgia going on there as well. And I didn't really have time to stop and think of what it would actually be like to be on my own without any internet or phone or anything for nearly a week. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I, I sort of thought just because I was landing in this really tranquil place that the tranquility would rub off on me and I would also be tranquil for the whole week and it would just be at one with the river and <laughs> I don't know why like snow white you know little birds landing on me uh-huh. um, so some of it did feel like that so it's this ebb and flow that probably happens every day every week that I don't notice so much because I'm not so tuned in to what's happening my body and my mind so I'm so distracted um so it's probably a microcosm of what always happens that maybe I'm not always so aware of that there was peace there were hours of deep peace and enjoyment and really loving being on my own and in this gorgeous place um had the picnic blanket out you know reading Tony Morrison in the sun and just drinking tea and reveling in that really reveling in it and thinking great this is what it's going to be like for the whole week and then boom (laughs) a storm of emotions and this deep anxiety would just fill me up again and it kept going backwards and forwards like that and I just, I don't know how I didn't think that was going to happen because there's lots of memories everywhere because I've been going there since I was little. So there's memories of my dad there, of us as a family of four, you know, and just reminded of how much that dynamic has changed and that actually other family used to visit us there. So thinking about aunts and uncles and cousins and then, you know, there's my mum is not speaking to another family member and thinking that things have changed so much uh, since my dad died and it's funny it's this death phobia and I think some a little bit of sexism in there too it's like he held people together because he was so charming he was this charming intelligent white man (laughs) and he was the glue and then he wasn't there anymore and people didn't know what to do and 
some people didn't really kind of step up to support my mum and us in a way that really helps. And it's again, it's no one's fault, but just all this stuff was hitting me like a flood. And then another field I walked through, which I camped uh, when I was a teenager with my really, really good friend. And then I just remembered, you know, good times drinking in the field and smoking and thinking, oh, you know, usually I drink when I'm camping and I'm not doing that. And then thinking about that friendship I had that I no longer have and that I miss. And it was another thing I lost because my dad died and everything changed. It just changed every single thing in my life and my friendships and everything kind of exploded. And I've just been trying to put the pieces back together. And it was another part of my life or I feel like things have been split off into areas so I've sort of been holding Malawi back as well in Africa and all these pieces of myself I've been holding them at arm's length because I don't want to feel the emotions that comes with them so as I get closer to feeling things and not drinking and opening the space it all comes flooding back in little parts and I'm like of course this was going to be painful and of course I needed to come here so I could feel this and something was calling me back here something wanted me to be here and I really had to believe that because I didn't have to go and I nearly didn't but there was this this small voice that said go you should go and so I did and it was a roller coaster an absolute roller coaster um I pulled quite a few tarot cards I didn't like a few that I saw, <laughs> so I kept pulling another one, and they just got worse and worse. <laughs> I relate uh, to that. A bit of a huff with them. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I would just meditate because I didn't know what else to do. Nothing was working, so, uh, and I didn't have, you know, I didn't have people to reach out to. I didn't have anything to distract. I didn't have memes, so that was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> So small things like a five-minute meditation that transformed a whole afternoon or a swim in the river or just weathering out knowing that it would end and then things start happening. Like I started writing a fiction story, which I hadn't done for years since I was a kid, really. I've started getting more comfortable writing about my own experience and I wrote about being there and about all the stuff that was flooding back and the things that were being triggered. And then that morphed into writing some fiction which I really enjoyed. And then I started reading Tar Baby by Toni Morrison, which was just incredible. And I haven't really just read fiction for a while, so that was really pleasurable. You know, I'm, I'm sort of always on the hunt for the learning at the moment and all of this transformation and healing, it can kind of go a little bit overdrive with it, which is not surprising considering my personality and star sign. <laughs> um, Oh, so it was nice to just relax. Relax, that's what it was. <laughs> that relaxation thing. <laughs> I sort of I, I let that happen for a few hours here and there at a time. And it made me realize how hard I find it to relax. I and, need to learn how to relax. Oh, honestly, it's just so hard. <laughs> My like, family's oh, motto is never yes. relax. No, me neither. Especially on my mum's side, anyway. My dad's side uh-huh. definitely regret it. Um, so yeah, all of this stuff happened and it was just juicy as usual. You know, it was, I wasn't getting a break from healing. <laughs> yeah. Like intensified. Um, yeah. And I started learning or thinking about transformation, especially from reading emergent strategy and thinking about how things change all the time and how I've been looking at the past 
through these such rose-tinted glasses and then it's like there's a before my dad died and an after my dad died and there is because that's what the complete change in my life hinged on that's absolutely true but it was like I realized I've been thinking of everything pre him dying as good and everything after as bad or negative or hard and that things can't get good again or they won't get as good as they were so I'm just been really limiting myself and you know you can't do this you can't do that you wasted all of this time and I really came to a place in that trip of realizing I haven't wasted any time at all I've been doing my best and every experience that I've ever had including the ones that I felt most shame about terrible things that I've done or I felt they were absolutely terrible they're all valid that's just as valid as all of the good quote-unquote things that I've done and that I can have more control of the future and that it's my choice to start creating memories again, really happy ones that, again, I can look back on and love. And it doesn't have to be this before and after and that the past was good and that the future is bad, that they can all blend and it's much more workable and I can adapt all the time to the things that are changing. You know, my fertility is not what I thought it was going to be. I don't know if I'm going to have kids. I'm not in some big high-flying career like I thought I would be, but I can adapt. I can adapt to all of that because I'm a human, I'm an animal, I'm part of nature. So yeah, a lot came up. (laughs) Wow. I feel like what a beautiful message of hope. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the meditations I did, the seven room meditation, in one of them you had to go into a room and there'd be a message for you waiting in a journal. And so I went into this room and it was this lovely little lounge and there were herbs everywhere. It was clearly a little witch's lounge. (laughs) And uh, there was this journal on the table and the words that came to mind immediately were, you're not lost. Oh, no, (laughs) I'm going to cry again. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's, that's the theme, I think, that I really want to take from that camping trip. Like, no matter what's happening, no matter how lost or awful you feel, actually, you're not, you're not lost, even things, if things don't look how you thought they were going to. That is, like, the most beautiful thing I have ever heard. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Ah. <laughs> uh. What a pleasure speaking with you. It was lovely. I'm so glad we connected. Oh my gosh. Like, I feel like you have touched my heart in such a sincere way. Oh, Anna. (laughs) I'm so grateful to talk with you. I'm so glad that you were so vulnerable with sharing everything. And I, I feel like your healing is infectious. Oh, that is so lovely because that that makes me feel like there there is a use to it because sometimes I do stop and think what the hell am I doing does anyone even why am I sharing all this stuff I wonder if it's just all a bit self-obsessed but then I hear something like that and I think no it's okay it's not self-obsession it's this sharing and kind of just wanting to spread some more vulnerability because we're in a severe drought of it <laughs> yes I totally yeah. agree yeah. So any any vulnerability that I can chuck out there, I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Rosie. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? I know you mentioned it, but say it again. Yes, yeah, so I am at My Secret Sober Diary on Instagram. 
Love it. And everybody, and you're okay with like direct messages? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, connect with her. I love her. I love you. Oh my God. Thank you so much for doing this. I like you completely changed my mood. Oh, that's fantastic. I feel really good too. Very enriched and enlivened. Oh, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Lots of love. Same. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode with the Rosie. Find her at My Secret Sober Diary on Instagram. Send her some love. If you want to connect with me, I am at Blind Love Tarot on Instagram. And also, I have started a creative dream circle. So if you are interested in that, you can send me a DM on Instagram with your email and I will send you an invite. We share our dreams and make art about it and it is awesome so far. I'm really excited about it. Um, So if you're interested in that or you can email me and tell me you want to join at blindlovetarot at gmail.com had to think about it for a second there um but yeah i'd love to have you it's free it's a free community on mighty networks and it's just a place to connect with other people other dreamers other creatives and you also don't necessarily have to dream if you just want to participate in the art or helping other people analyze their dreams. Um, I think a big part of dreams, it seems to be, is allowing other people to help you understand what you're so close to. Um, it's great to get like a little bit of perspective there. Um, so if you're interested in that, then definitely hit me up. And I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening. I'm sending you lots of love on this Pisces full moon. And uh, if you loved this episode and this podcast, please share it with a friend who may need to listen or just share it on your Instagram story or rate and review it. Those are all really amazing ways to help the podcast be seen and grow. And that would be amazing. I really appreciate that. Really, really. Um, And that's it. I'm sending you guys lots of love and smooches. Mwah.